0: This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We've got a lot to get to today. If you stayed up late watching the Wild completely waste your time on Monday night, I'm sorry. If you didn't, I'd like to spend a lot of time on today's show talking about everything that went wrong in that game and talking about everything that has gone wrong for this franchise and really for Minnesota teams in the playoffs. Sorry, this is not going to be a pleasant show because that was not a pleasant game to watch. They lost four nothing to the blues. I don't care how well they did five on five. I don't know, care what the possession told you. They lost four nothing on their home ice in the playoff opener in a year that is supposed to be different. So not going to be much sugar coating on that one as we get into it. We will talk Twins here towards the end of the show as well because they deserve our attention. One again, 2-1 to over Baltimore. Rocco Baldelli happy with a lot of the pitching effort in that game. Good start from Chris Paddock. And um, Joan Duran gets the save in that game. He's been terrific out of the bullpen, so we'll get into a little bit of that as well. And talk a little bit of Kentucky Derby, because we're getting down to it here. That's this weekend. And two Minnesota horses, one in particular, are going to factor into that in a big way. Rachel Blount actually will be joining me later this week. She's been down in Kentucky, spending some time there, getting ready for that race. So should have a great report from her coming up later this week. But first, what did I miss like I said at the jump, Wild loses four nothing to St. Louis, and you know, just looking at Twitter during the game, watching this performance, and again, let's let's preface everything just by saying it is only one game. I understand it's a best of seven series. You can say Wild beat Vegas in Game One um, last year. In fact, I think Marcus Felino did say that. I might play that clip. Later and then end up losing the series, right? Timberwolves, if we're going to draw on recent Minnesota sports history, beat Memphis on the road in game one, ended up losing that series in six games. So it's a long series. St. Louis still has to win three more games against the Wild in order for this thing to be over before anybody wanted it to. That said, when you lose four to nothing, when it's not really even close and again like I said I know the possession was fairly equal I know that five on five the wild played the game they wanted to play I I know and I don't care because it just felt like it was a repeat of everything we have ever seen from this team in the playoffs I was thinking actually covered the Gophers men's hockey team for the Minnesota Daily long time ago we're talking like a quarter of a century ago and that's that's upsetting uh, to say that, that's upsetting that it was that long ago, but it was. It was like legitimately a quarter of a century ago, covering a series between the Gophers and North Dakota, up in North Dakota. This is the Old Ralph, not the New Ralph, the Old Ralph, the beautiful um, palace that is built now. Uh, does not hold a candle to the um, the Old Ralph, which was just the, the greatest hockey building in the world. It's up there covering that series, and the Gophers, I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday, but they they lost both of the games. I think they gave up six goals in both the games. They just got their doors blown off. Um, and this was a good Gophers team. They, this is a team that went to the NCAA tournament, won an NCAA tournament game. But North Dakota just had their number that year, and they had just been killing the Gophers whenever they came up to play. And we're doing post uh, post game interviews and it's you know I don't think it's in the locker room. I think it was like in a in a hallway outside the locker room down there. And I'm talking to Gopher's goalie Steve DeBus. And you know, we're a quarter of a century later. And I did publish this at the time, or I think later on, but we did publish this full quote. I'm not gonna say the full quote because this is a family podcast, but he was clearly frustrated with everything that had happened in that in that game, in that series, in his entire career against north dakota and you know I'm, I'm doing a one-on-one with him just kind of off to the side and i'm asking him you know, like how you know how frustrating is it when when you kind of do the same thing and you guys get the same results you keep losing you know to this team to this big rival of yours and you know he's just he's talking about it talking about it. you can see the frustration building and all of a sudden he's just you know unleashes a string of profanities About how it's the same thing every week, every time. Every time they play, every weekend, they're just getting, you know, he's getting hung out to dry and things like that. Um, Added a few choice swear words in with it because he was just that frustrated. You know, every other reporter who was there came swarming over when they when they overheard him saying that because that's you know not a moment you get that often in in a locker room in an interview setting. So, anyway, long story short, I have to imagine that's how the wild. And their fans feel right now it's the same thing over and over and over again and the frustrating thing is that this year's team is different and the playoff outcome is supposed to be different is a team that has plenty of balance in their offense so that you look at it and say you've got the last line change you can dictate all the matchups you want you should be able to get players out there and get goals they got zero on Monday, zero in the playoff opener. I think ESPN flashed a stat. I was watching the national broadcast for a while, flashed a stat um, at the start of the third period that the Wild had not been uh, shut out in the first two periods at home all season long. This is the first time they had not scored a goal in the first two periods of a home game all season long. Well, they took it one step further, did not score a goal for the entire game. Um, You know, guys, this is a team, like I said, that has had these playoff nightmares. Do you realize they are now 30 and 55 all time in the playoffs? And to some degree, that shouldn't matter, right? This is a brand new team, brand new identity. Like I said, they've got a star player in Kirill Kaprizov. They've got scoring up and down the line, Kevin Fiala. Ryan Hartman, Marcus Fellino, Matt Zuccarello, Joel Erickson-Eck, um, Jordan Greenway, all this offensive firepower, Matt Boldy, all these defensive players who are you know, capable on the blue line, two very good goaltenders who are both veterans. We'll get into the decision to start Marc-Andre Fleury over Cam Talbot here in a minute as well, but I don't think that was anywhere near the deciding factor in this game. I thought Fleury was okay. The Wild was not okay on balance because they took some undisciplined penalties. And again, knowing going into this game how important staying out of the penalty box would be, and then taking giving up six power plays to St. Louis. And you know maybe some of them are suspect calls. I'm not going to get into the officiating. Everyone's going to whine about that. Both teams had six power plays. Um, If if you don't like the calls, if you don't like the officiating. What you can ask for is that, is it it at least even? Yeah, six power plays for each team. Guess what? St. Louis scored on two of them, had a third that was just after the penalty expired, so basically three of their four goals coming as a result of the power play. Wild went 0-for-6 on the power play. That right there is the bona fide clear-cut difference in the game, no doubt about it, and not a surprise, right? You knew going in that you couldn't be undisciplined against this team because the penalty kill and the power play was a was the, probably the biggest difference between these two teams coming in. Wild coming in with the 18th ranked power play in the league, St. Louis number two. Wild coming in with the 25th ranked penalty kill, St. Louis number five. All year long, the Wild has been maybe the best team in the NHL or up there five on five. So. You want to stay out of the penalty box as best you can. Don't take those cheap after-the-whistle calls. Don't get engaged in those kind of chippy little moments because you know that even if even if you have trying to change momentum in some way, if you wind up in the box, you are putting your team at a severe disadvantage. Let's hear a little bit about that right now from Wild Head Coach Dean Evason after the game. 100%
1: um that's exactly what happened obviously we have to stay out of the box regardless of what we think of penalties they're you know it's the same on both sides and we've got to we've got to play between the whistles and forget about the crap we don't need we don't need to do we don't need to do that and it's happened to us you know and i don't like to say they're not undisciplined penalties they're just they're penalties that are um avoidable, avoidable penalties. Um, so, yeah, and five on five. we and, You know, you can say what you want about special teams. Our, our power play had some unbelievable chances. Um, their goalie played great, um, ours played great. They got a couple of bounces on their PP, but it can't be a 6-6 game or we're um, not gonna have success.
2: Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Now, David Perron had both of
0: those power play goals for the Blues and had the third one that came right after time expired. He is a wild killer. He has been a wild killer for a long time. But you know what? St. Louis has a great power play. He is he is a big part of that great power play, and so they they can't talk about this like it's some sort of, you know, some sort of magic or just bad breaks that the the puck just seems to find him or something like that. Because that's the way St. St. Louis's power play operates. they, they kind of you know they, they like to move people side to side, like to create those kind of lanes, those alleys, create rebounds, create havoc. And that's what they do, and that's what they did. So that's why you have to stay out of the penalty box, which the Wild did not do in that game. Let's hear a little bit now from goalie Mark Andre Fleury kind of talking about how good St. Louis is on the power play. Um, you know, Perron and, and just what what he does, what they do uh, in order to wreak havoc on, on teams. Yeah, I don't know, he's uh, obviously, like you said, we we know each other very well, you know, and um, he's a good shooter, uh, he's always a threat around the net, you know, and it seems like every uh, every puck on the power play just end up on the tape, you know, on, on the back door there, and um, he's a good player, you know, he put him in. Yeah, the are team that uh, shoot a lot of pucks, you know, they sometimes they, they have a clear lane with me, me and them, right, and they're still waiting to, to make that extra pass across the crease, and, um, yeah, I think that's, that's what makes him good, especially in the power play, right? They, they can do those passes and, um, get you moving side to side, get our PK moving, you know, and, um, and it creates a little chaos that way. Again, Fleury got the game one, Nod made a save on a, uh, sh- on a, uh, on a penalty shot early in the game after a Jonas Brodine hooking call on a breakaway. That, w- that could have been a huge momentum moment in the game instead St. Louis still managed to carry a two nothing lead into the the second period. Two nothing lead after one, three nothing after two, four nothing after three. Just a clear domination throughout. Um, now the big decision coming into the game was: Would the Wild go with Cam Talbot, the guy who's been pretty steady for them the last two years, the guy who played in the playoffs for them a season ago, and you know played. Relatively well, I think, against Vegas and has been pretty good down the stretch of this season. Or would they go with Fleury, who's got all the postseason experience, who's won three Stanley Cups, and who played well in his final tune up and who played well since being acquired by the Wild at the trade deadline? I don't think either option was going to be a bad one, but it was kind of an interesting decision the Wild had to make just because when you have two good goalies, when you have two guys you trust, You do open yourself up to second guessing whenever the other one doesn't play. You know when when one goalie doesn't play maybe as well as he as he could. And I think Flurry played reasonably well, but he gave up some pretty juicy rebounds, and that's that was a lot of what a lot of what St. Louis was scoring on uh, on those power plays. So as many good saves as he made, um, and as much as he wasn't the reason they lost, that is an interesting kind of subplot as we think about Game Two. Do they go back to Flurry again? Or do they switch it up? If you switch it up, does it seem like you're panicking? Does it seem like you, you know, you're, does Dean Evison look like he's grasping a little bit? Or does it just look like, well, we tried this guy. He Maybe he wasn't as sharp as we wanted him to. Now we're going to play Cam Talbot, who we know we can trust as well. I don't know. That's going to be an interesting Game 2 decision. What I do know is this. The Wild grinded and grinded and grinded in the second half of the season when they were basically playing every other night, a little bit more than every other night. It was like 41 games and 81 days or something like that. They grinded and grinded and grinded down the stretch to get home ice in this playoff series, thinking it was going to be kind of the X factor, the deciding factor, X factor, no pun intended, with XL Energy Center. Um, so they, they pushed and pushed and pushed to get that. And it's gone after 60 minutes. Was that worth it? Was it worth it to push that hard? Could they have pulled back a little bit and made sure guys were rested, mentally ready? Sometimes when a team has to grind that hard just to get into the position it wants, um, there can be a little bit of a letdown in the playoffs. And I know they had a couple days off before the playoffs started, but I don't know. It seemed to me not like they were rusty, not like they lacked energy. Um, but just that maybe the wear and tear of the season caught up with them a little bit. I don't know. I'm not trying to make excuses for them. St. Louis kind of did the same thing until they lost a couple of games down the stretch. Just wondering if that was worth it. Also wondering, just big picture, St. Louis just has their number. St. Louis has beaten them, like, just beaten them silly over the last few years. Beat them up this year. Uh, just Just has has a advantage in terms of this matchup that can't be overstated when one team has been so dominant against another team you start to wonder it's not just you know not just it's not just luck it's not just circumstance i mean the numbers are just staggering the the blues have beaten the wild all four games this season so they're four and oh against the wild this year 13 one and one in their last 15 games against the wild and i know look this is a different wild team than in, you know, a couple of recent years. I get it. A lot of the same players, but definitely a different identity. This, like I said at the jump, this is supposed to be a different wild team, and that is part of what makes this playoff um outcome so disappointing. That's what makes this, you know, so hard to swallow if you are a wild fan, because you're thinking going into this, okay, this is finally the year. This is the year that they can make a deep playoff run. This is a year that they can do something different. This is the year that the result is going to be different. Who cares if they're playing a team that's got their number? Who, who cares if this is a bad matchup? Don't worry about that because this is a team that can get things done when the, when the chips are down, whatever cliche you want to use. And instead in game one, it is the same thing again. It's the same, you know, kind of feels like that series against St. Louis four or five years ago where Jake Allen, uh, just could not be, could not be topped could not be stopped in goal and the wild just were shooting pucks right into his chest not like that was everything that was happening in that opener monday but it sure felt that way a couple other things before we stop talking about the wild here for a little bit um jared spurgeon late in that game delivered a really ugly cheap shot um hitting a, hitting the st Louis player after the game on the back of his legs with a vicious cross check Um, seeing that NHL discipline is taking a look at that, would not be surprised if Spurgeon finds out sometime Tuesday that he will not be playing in Game 2, maybe even more than that for that hit after the whistle. I don't know. Maybe it's just a fine. I don't know. I don't know how the league will look at that because that is not the kind of play that Jared Spurgeon typically makes. The captain on this team, clearly frustrated by what was going on in that game, clearly frustrated by what he's seen against st louis over you know the last three four seasons but that is the kind of thing you just cannot do you cannot have that kind of cheap shot you cannot make that play in that game that's not the kind of play that's going to wake up your team that's not the kind of play that's going to get things kick-started for you that is you know that that's an undisciplined uncharacteristic penalty for him um so we will see. Will he be able to play game two? If he can't, that's a big blow for them because obviously one of their top defensemen, um, you know, one of their best players over the years. If he's out, then you add a whole nother mountain of problems to game two. But nothing's going to change in game two if they can't stay out of the penalty box, if they can't fix whatever's going on with those five on four situations because the Wild, as many good looks as they got in the power play, um, you know, I don't care how many good looks they got. They just they just weren't, you know, they didn't cash them in. Uh, they didn't they didn't score on them. The, you you this is not the time of the year where we talk about chances out-chancing somebody. Um puck luck, hockey gods, things like that. The better team most nights is going to win, and the better team on on Monday night was clearly St. Louis. So what does the Wild do about it in game 2? That's the big question. Marcus Fellino had you know, kind of a stay the course message, and I get it. I get that. I get that. That's what they have to say. Here's Marcus Foligno, uh, another one of the wild leaders. After the game,
2: just it's going to be a long series. I mean, we know how to play these guys, and you know, we we won Game One in Vegas last year and didn't shape out well for us. So it, it, it means nothing. You got to forget about it. You got to go right back at it. We're at home ice again uh in two days and, and um fans were great tonight we had you know we had a lot of energy we, had, we, had, we liked our game for most part of the game and um you know we just got to understand that it's it's you know there's really not much pressure we know we can beat this team and to get a split going back to st louis is, is the goal now so um that's the message just stay with it and, and, and be positive like we've been all year
0: and yes, it's absolutely true. This has been a resilient team all season. They've had a lot of comeback victories. They've managed to pull themselves out of, you know, tailspins during the year and get hot again, things like that. So, they are saying all the right things now for the right reasons. This is not the series is not anywhere near over, but now game 2 takes on a massive has massive implications. You you cannot go down 2-0 on your home ice, and go to St. Louis against a team that's had your number all these years. You just can't do that. So now the onus is on them. When there is all that pressure, how will they respond to it? What will they do in that moment? Will those sticks get kind of tight, or will this be a different team? That's when we're really going to find out if this team is different or if it's really, really, really more of the same. Is it Game 2 on Wednesday? Another 8.30, 8.45 p.m. puck drop for that one. And that's where we're going to find out: is this a different team, or is this the same old thing? Like Steve DeBus said a quarter of a century ago. Let's move on to something happier here towards the end of the show. Twins, like I said at the jump, won again, tenth win in eleven games. Um, I think I talked over the weekend that uh, you know I was concerned that the t- that the Twins had feasted on the AL Central, but then they lost that Friday game to Tampa Bay. I was like, okay, uh uh-oh, here we go, because now they're playing teams outside the AL Central. And then guess what happened after that bonus episode of Daily Delivery? Yeah, they won Saturday against Tampa, they won Sunday against Tampa, and then they won Monday against Baltimore, all three teams in the American League East. Now, Baltimore, not a great team this season. Tampa, though, a very good team. Twins coming off a very good series against Tampa after winning the last two games of that. And you do wonder at that point, is there going to be a little bit of a letdown? Are they going to take their foot off the gas? Again, whatever cliche you want to use. And while they didn't get a ton of offense, they get a 2-1 win on Monday. Chris Paddock, very good for them. That's the pitcher they got in the Taylor Rogers trade at the start, You know, right before the start of the season. And the big pitching story, Joan Duran getting his first major league save, a 1-2-3 ninth inning. Um, first time he's gotten a save, obviously. First time he's even pitched a ninth inning for this team. And again, different situations call for different things, but that was impressive to see just the stuff he's throwing, what he's got out there right now. Rocco Baldelli, Twins manager, has been pushing a lot of the right buttons lately, deserves a lot of credit for not panicking when this team was 4 and 8. I was panicking. If I was the manager of this team, I probably would have been ranting and raving doesn't seem like Rocco was. I think they've had this belief that they're a good team since the start of the year. I didn't know if it was warranted, but when they started 4 and 8, but now they are 14 and 9 after this 10 and 1 stretch. Here is Rocco by the way after the game just talking about how much he liked this game start to finish.
2: Yeah, I was uh, very impressed with the consistency of the of the quality efforts that we got from all of our, our arms, but also the guys playing behind them defensively and also Ryan behind the plate. Um, CP was great. He gave us a great start. Uh, we sent him out there for another inning, kind of pushed him a little bit in a, in a tight ball game. Um, but it, it's a really good win. I mean, this is like a really nice win where we're coming off of a big series where we played well. Um, down in Tampa, and you know, right off the plane, we come in here. There's you know zero letdown. Our guys are locked in, intense, and um, you know it's a different kind of ball game than some of the other ball games we've we've played and you know in the last few days um, and even recently. Uh, but overall, it was just a very well put together game.
0: Now, does this mean Duran is the closer going forward? Not at all. That's not how the Twins. Operate. That's not how they've worked with this current regime, the front office regime, the uh, you know, with Rocco as manager. That's it's all it's all situational. It's all kind of depends on how things line up. But man, it sure does make you feel better, doesn't it? When you've got a guy on the back end who has that kind of stuff that can throw a hundred miles an hour, that's got the breaking stuff to go with it. I don't know where his future is. I don't know where Duran's future is ultimately. Whether it's in the back, the back end of that, you know, throwing you know key innings getting those key outs late or if it's it's in the starting rotation when he could be just as dominant there that's going to be a good question going forward but right now he is so good out of that bullpen giving them such an option late in games whenever they need him to deploy um that that's got to be a good feeling for Rocco Baldelli and again here is Rocco talking about Jean Duran and how he was using him in this game we've
2: mixed him into some different spots um Every game we play is different. Every set of situations um, is different. There were a few reasons why he pitched the ninth today. It wasn't just because we wanted him to throw the ninth inning. Um, the the you know some of the matchups maybe, but he's throwing well against everyone that he's facing. So that that's not really uh, you know the biggest part of it. Um, he did throw two innings two days ago, and you know we didn't want to get him hot in, in the inning before, not bring him in sit him down, kind of cools off a little bit, get him back. We wanted to just give him an inning and let him go to work. Um, but he did a great job again. And, oh, by the way,
0: Tuesday, uh, guess what? Joe Ryan pitching, he of the minuscule, almost one ERA. He will go for the Twins against Baltimore. The starting pitching has been unbelievable so far this season. Twin starters now with a 2.58 ERA. That is second best in the major leagues behind the Dodgers best in the American League. And if you want to find another American League central team, you have to go all the way down to number 17, the White Sox, at 3.73 for their starters ERA. So the Twins starters have a starters ERA of more than a full run better than the next team in the division. That is a shock to me based on what we thought of this rotation going into the season. Again, we're still early in this year where well, we're 23 games into the season but you know we keep saying it's early but it keeps getting a little bit later a little bit later we're into May now maybe 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 the starting rotation is just better than we thought it was they're not going to end the year with a 2.58 ERA but if they can end the if they can end of the year with the starters ERA below four that will be a pretty big deal for a team that had all sorts of problems in the rotation last season that Looked like they were going to have all sorts of problems in the rotation this year. So we'll see if that continues with Joe Ryan on Tuesday for the Twins. Let's finish with the cooler. Two Minnesota horses in the Kentucky Derby this Saturday, including Zandon, who drew the number 10 post, to, uh, considered to be one of the most desirable spots in the race and has been installed as the favorite 3-1 for Saturday's race. Um, just, just an amazing story that this, you know, that Minnesota has two horses, including Zozos, in the in the race as well. But Zandon drew post number ten. Reading from Rachel Blount's story, she is down in, uh, down in Kentucky, in parts nearby, helping cover this, cover the lead up to it, and will certainly be there for Saturday's race. She is going to be on Friday's show, I believe, getting you all set up for this race. I mean, I'm. Listen, I'm not really a big horse racing guy. I'm not really a big Kentucky Derby guy. Normally, I will watch it. I don't really get into it all that much. But when you tell me there's two Minnesota horses in there, including the favorite from St. Cloud, um, that all of a sudden I am interested in that. So that will get me <coughs> that will get me to watch even more. That will get me to pay attention during the week even more. Um, you know this this blind draw on Monday is just some good luck for this uh, for this Minnesota horse. You know it doesn't mean that anything's guaranteed. Obviously on Saturday, but gives them gives them a, a favorable post position, gives them three to one odds going into this race. So that will be something to see on Saturday. Can a Minnesota horse win horse racing's most prestigious race? That will do it for me today. Like I said, lots of other good stuff coming up in the week. Rachel Blount will be on Friday show, expecting to have Minnesota United goalkeeper Dane St. Clair on the show later this week as well. The Loons battling in playoff position just had a tough loss to LAFC best team in the conference. Lost that game late Sunday night. That was a 2-0 result after it was 0-0 for much of that game. I'll hear from Dane, uh, Dane St. Clair. Get to get in depth on his excellent season and more to come on that. So enjoy that later this week. Thanks for joining me here on Daily Delivery today. I'm Michael Rand. Back at it again on Wednesday.